Hi, it's Sherry. I just wanted to stop by today to introduce my guest, Tamara Brannon of Outlaw Woman Jewelry Company. Not only is she a very talented jewelry artist, but she also opens up her studio space to people to be able to come in and help design their own signature piece that has deep meaning. Also allowing people to come in and share their stories, get support, and just be a part of a community. She's also very intentional with how she does business with her partners in retail that carry her work, and she explains why that is. She's incredibly uplifting, awe-inspiring, unapologetically herself, and so delightful and engaging. I knew this was going to be one heck of an interview, and it truly is. For those of you that may have some triggers around a couple of topics, I wanted to give you a heads up about those now. We do cover mental health issues, depression, anxiety, PTSD. We also talk about a murder that she witnessed not that long ago, and that is where the PTSD comes in and just the heart-wrenching story of being there while a young man lost his life. So if those would potentially be a trigger for you, I wanted you to know that before you got into the episode. And I hope that for those of you listening today, that you will walk away from this feeling as engaged and hopeful and inspired by Tamara as I am. Also, just an update, we are now on Spotify. You can find Titanium Blonde Talks there, as well as on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining me. Stories. We all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks, and I'd like to know, what's your story? Thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Steph Gongora. Steph has written a variety of movement books available in both electronic format and paperback copies. For those just beginning, they may find inspiration in starting a yoga practice, a 350-plus page guide full of yoga basics, sequencing, flows, and even practice calendars. More intermediate practitioners looking to delve deeper can check out the Full Body Backbends book or the Handstand Manual, both chock full of drills, warm-ups, alignment details, and more. The Handstand book is also available in Spanish. Finally, for anyone looking to find their float, the Handstand Pressing book has all the tools to get those feet off the ground. Find out more info and peruse sample pages on www.casa.colibri.com slash shop. Thanks for your support, Steph, for Titanium Blonde Talks. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks. Today, my interview is with Tamara Brannon, and she is a jewelry artist and outlaw woman, and someone that I found on Instagram, and not only do I love her art that she creates, but I really love what she shares with the world of her life. Uh, she's got some really interesting things that go into how they create what they do with their work and just some very things, very touching things, I think, that you will find that are really special about her work. I happen to own um, a couple of her pieces that I truly love. And I 
every once in a while she'll do a little thing where you can send her a few thoughts about what it is about yourself that you like or something about yourself that you would like to have in your jewelry. And she sets a price and then she surprises you with what she creates. And my necklace that she created for me is absolutely fabulous and right on. So please join me today in welcoming Tamara. She is self-described as a just a small town girl with a love for finding joy in the ordinary. Tamara lives in a world of delightfully beautiful chaos. I want to know more about that. It feeds her soul and her creativity. And together with her team of stellar artisans, they fabricate treasures that grace the lives of some pretty remarkable people, telling their story one piece of leather, scrap of metal, and heirloom rhinestone at a time. Thank you for joining me today, Tamara. Well, thank you for having me. So would you go ahead and let everyone know a little bit more about who you are and how you created the life that you're living these days? Oh, goodness. <laughs> goodness, goodness, goodness. Um, who I am, I am a self-proclaimed walking contradiction slash, slash circus shit show for the most part. <laughs> Um, I have a blessed life. I've been surrounded by amazing people that have never told me that I couldn't do what it is I dreamed up of doing. Um, about 10 years ago, I left corporate America and I was working in international advertising. And when you are, I am a mama. I have a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old, and there's just some something about being a mom and your kids needing that encouragement and nurturing that I had to look inward and how could I still express myself and feel powerful and be able to be home with them. So I started teaching art at their school and I was a volunteer art teacher and I just started making and making more things. And it, it just kind of has snowballed into what Outlaw Woman is now. There's a lot of little things that went into that to get it there, but um, probably, the scariest thing in my entire life was to leave a secure, um, what society deemed as a, I was a professional and I was an adult. And to look at everyone and say, I am going to pick up garbage off the side of the road and broken things and I'm going to make something out of it and people are going to want it. And I was just very blessed that people didn't look at me like I was super crazy, but they were like, if Tamara's going to put her mind to it, it's going to happen. And built my company around tin cans and scrap leather and one little piece at a time. And then I was able to buy tools and then I'd make some more things. And now we ship all over the world and we... We have, uh, I don't know, 
that will probably come in another question. Did any of that, will any of that work for you? Listen, it's fabulous. And what I want you to do is to think more about speaking from your heart. It doesn't have to work for me. This is you just sharing your story and, and really speaking from your deepest heart about what's important to you. And that was so incredible what you just said. And what I want to know is, did you have any sort of previous training in art or anything, or are you completely self-taught? Um, when I was studying in college at Washington State University, I um, my area of study was in advertising, minor in fine arts, and I loved the arts. But I originally went to school in pre-med. Wow. <laughs> yes, I was pre-med when I, when I got shipped off to college and wanted to, I guess, to step back. When I say a walking contradiction, I'm an analytical creative. So I have tendencies to be a little bit rain man where I numbers and I can read things and I have a photographic memory and so all of that analytical side and then mix it with I can get lost for two hours watching the shadows of a willow tree and (laughs) everyone's like where'd your day go and so I I thought that I was supposed to embrace the scientific side of my brain And I had a really awesome um, guidance counselor at WSU that said, you are planning to go into genetic research and you're going to be sitting in a laboratory for the rest of your life where people don't talk. And I freaked the F out. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) And so he said, I have some, I think you just need to take some time in go over to the art department, sit and throw clay on the wheel and do that and see how that feeds your soul. And so after I finished up at WSU, I went on to, I went back to my hometown of Yakima and attended a technical school there called Perry Technical Institute. And I, they were emerging a brand new graphic technology um kind of graduate technical program and so i enrolled there and that's what brought me into advertising is through graphic design and if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna end up being the boss and i'm gonna go go big or go home and that's kind of who i am i everything is always to the extreme and so um that's how i got into the arts and but probably stepping back and looking at how i was raised and what type of art speaks to my soul um a few a few major things impacted that um starting with my mom when she was uh, when we were young she was she was a single mom we didn't have a whole lot of 
material things, but she loved us and taught us so many things. We'd go to the dump when you used to be able to ride in the back of your pickup truck and like <laughs> jump out and run through the fields. And she'd be like, okay, kids, you can only pick one thing. <laughs> so she'd take us to the dump and we'd find broken pieces of furniture and she taught us to refinish furniture. And she would say, okay, today we're gonna make jewelry out of gum wrappers. I, she just used what she had to create some sort of memory and connection with my sister and I. And it was the simplest, most beautiful thing ever. I saw taking something that somebody had thrown away and we ate our family dinners on the table that we rebuilt as a family that we found at the dump and so the symbolism of that um the second part of what inspired me um my grandfather who's been gone for geez, three years now he was a prisoner of war in world war ii and he was held in solitary confinement and ended up retiring out a lieutenant colonel. I have an amazing military family. Um, and in his box of things was this ratty, this ratty little taped and most people would go and throw it away. But if you open it up, it, was filled with trench art and trench art for those who don't know it's when the soldiers were sitting and waiting or they were in the hospitals or what have you and they made anything that they could out of what was there um be it pennies or scraps of metal because what i wish everybody could realize was the, is the power of your imagination that spark that happens when you create something it was the lifeblood for so many of these soldiers that they to get their mind off of all the awful things that were happening and they were making things and my grandfather made several pieces of jewelry that are my most prized possessions and his story is remarkable and maybe that would be a whole nother podcast but um <laughs> we can we can always do another one and, and talk oh about gosh, your grandfather girl, i have so many stories you're gonna i love what? that this is the part that is so wonderful is that i want to give this platform the space for women to be able to talk about their stories because most women haven't been asked to share their stories, right? They yeah. might share them with their families or their close friends. By sharing the stories of our families, of our lives, all of those things, it's about learning about each other. It's about building that connection. It's about realizing that we are more alike than we are different. And when you're talking about 
I loved hearing you talk about the fact that you are, well, you're left brain, right brain, like I am, right? So <laughs> you can do that creative stuff, yet you can do the numbers, you can do the research, you can dive into all of that stuff. And then you can walk outside and go, wow, look at that tree or look at those clouds or whatever it is. And that you keep feeding both sides of that and not try and negate one side or the other. So it's interesting. And to be able to I, I think what one of your true gifts are and that came from obviously from what you the story about your mother is that you look at things that other people throw away, their trash, the things that are ordinary and create beauty out of them. You you re-envision them, that it comes out of your imagination, your desire to create something out of nothing, which is incredible. And I think that that's one of the skills that we're losing with, I, I love, don't get me wrong. I love technology. I worked in technology for years. I think it's really, it's a wonderful tool, but I think it really takes us away from that deep sense of creativity with the hands-on, the, the tactile creation, the making something out of nothing and actually having to use your brain instead of letting the technology do all the work for you. We definitely will have another podcast around your grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, you are so spot on there. If we have a studio and showroom in Spokane, where people come in we don't have a lot of finished pieces on display instead we have all of the components and the randomness is everywhere people come in and they're inspired to watch us make their piece and then make it alongside with us we have our most signature piece is called our story necklace and it is a cluster of charms and words and baubles and craziness, sometimes even a pheasant claw that was, you can look the interweb and we made Trina wear that pheasant claw is the claw shame. We'll talk about my, my inappropriate bad boss mentality, but in our store, we have a gigantic tray filled with probably about 20,000 charms. Everything from a squirrel to a flamingo to a teacup to the randomness and the wide array is inspiring just to look at it. But then when you have people come in, we have men and women come in that look at these pieces and they, and they say, what are we supposed to do? And I said, well, tell your story. And it is oh, amazing. God, I love that. To me, how many people will look at me and say, but I don't know what my story is. And oh my God. So you're, you're finding that in what you're doing with your art, just like I'm finding that with my interviews on both the blog and the podcast. It's like a lot of people are like, I don't know what my story is, or I don't have anything that's important to share, or mm -hmm. is that okay with you? And it's like, this is not for me. This is for you to be able to have that conversation with yourself and figure out what's important, what stories matter to you. What, you know, the thing that when you were talking about all of those charms, when you made my my story necklace, you found a Viking ship because I had given you the word Viking. And I was like blown away when I opened up that package and saw the Viking ship on there because I had no idea what you were going to do. And it's like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that 
where we have come as as a society and as what we define as being an adult and being childlike yeah. is very, very fascinating to me. We have grown this whole mentality that a grown-up talks about taxes and goes grocery shopping and maintains a house and this and that and all of these things. And nowhere in that is laughing. Nowhere in that is telling of stories, being vulnerable in any capacity because we're supposed to be strong. And I think even as you take a look at the big boss babe movement and mompreneur and all of these things and I am fearless and I am all of that. But we're also people and we struggle and we get scared and we are insecure and we at times fall and find our worth and other people's opinions of us and all of that. And those are things that people really want to talk about, but there's so much of what makes people people. When we invite people into our world here at Outlaw, it is incredible when they can come in and just be their authentic selves. It sounds so strange that a boutique style store that you would walk into, that we would have a big couch, that we invite people to sit down. We probably have at least five criers a day where we are all just we're sobbing. People come in bringing their dog collars because their dog that they just put down after 17 years was their life. And they're like, can you make me a bracelet out of my dog collar or grandma's clip-on earring that we turn into a pendant, what would have been her great-granddaughter's wedding. But more than that is we embrace the broken part. And broken parts figuratively like broken necklaces, broken this and that, we create beauty out of it. I mean, from the dawn of time, jewelry has always held such a symbolic place in yep. lives. You wear it against your skin. Yes. So many pendants are resting on your heart. We take that and when you're buying a piece of jewelry from us, it isn't just something that you go to a big box store and get that Five million of them were made. This one piece, we have loved it. We have talked to it. If you watch us work, you'll know. We sit and we talk to the jewelry and we look at it and we want to know why do you have a, why do you want a palm tree on your necklace? Why is it that you are drawn to the color blue? And when people feel like they can come and explain why they want the piece to look and feel like it does, something beautiful happens. These walls come down of, and especially with women having to be so strong all of the time, being able to say, this blue is because the last time I was with my mom before she passed, we were talking about how beautiful the sky was. And they will look through every single blue stone and they will find the color of the sky that day, then we just cry. And then we laugh because we're crying. And then we're so socially awkward that we'll try and bust up the, you know, the heaviness by doing some dance moves or twirling around or singing. <laughs> and so then that's when the well, craziness comes in. 
but and what you're doing is you're creating connection. You're creating that connection with that that other person. You're tapping into the space of la- of allowing them to be able to be vulnerable and to be seen and heard. And Absolutely. that's all anybody wants. We all want to be seen and heard. We all want to know that we're not alone. As human beings, we are hardwired to be part of a tribe. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happening is, is that there are so many people that are feeling cut off. They're feeling isolated. They're feeling lonely. They're afraid because our society, like you said, our society does not support being vulnerable, does not support tears. Men are allowed to express their anger. Men are allowed to have tears, have emotions to a certain extent. And it's about them being strong or standing up for themselves. When women do that, we're denigrated. We're told that we're less than. We're told that we're not professional. We're told that we don't have the right to to be whatever it is. You need you need to get a grip. You need to be strong, whatever it is. So what you're doing is creating that space to allow someone to actually be able to fully express their emotions without any sort of self-monitoring, without any sort of policing over what they can and can't say, what's important to them. And they're actually, you're actually giving them space for their heart to actually come out and have a conversation and, and be accepted. And that's incredible. That's incredible. And I think when I realized the impact of me sharing my own stories, my own struggles, and people know the hands, they understand the working hands that are making their peace, like you had talked about the connection. Yes. We have probably our greatest, and it was so, so, so hard for me to do, is the connection that we have formed within people dealing with mental illness. Yeah. I have struggled with debilitating anxiety and panic for the last 20 years to the point where I have become catatonic. The mind is a powerful, powerful thing. And when we've been told we have to have such a strong face, we don't practice the gentle kindness towards ourselves and saying, it's okay to be a little bit broken because That's where the light gets in. And the story that I tell, and I remember so many people saying, oh my gosh, Tamara, I cannot believe that you told the world these things. Trina, who works with me and is a godsend. I was going through some crazy struggles. We were just launching Outlaw after I had stepped down his ownership with a previous jewelry company I owned and different life circumstances happening. And my anxiety started rising, rising, rising. And one of the ways that it showed itself is I would compulsively scratch at my body and not even realize that I was doing it. I was pacing up and down the hallways of our shop and I was scratching at my arm and Trina walked up to me. I was bleeding everywhere and I didn't even realize that I had been scratching at myself so awfully when I was, I mean, I, at first I was so embarrassed. I'm like, okay, I run this company and I ship worldwide and I'm in all the best boutiques and people want to be me and all of these things and that pressure of that image of being fashion forward magazines calling and saying what's your fashion forecast and (laughs) all these things and look at me I'm in my pajamas right now 
I have bandana on my head. Like, we're ratty. Like, we're ratty. And it was that moment. You're not ratty. You're real. You are real. Sitting there in the hallway, I have tears running down. I couldn't even explain what my trigger was that day, other than my arms were covered in blood. And Trina walked up to me, and I looked at her, and I said, you can run away. You can go, because I'm not good right now. And she looked at me, and she said, you are perfect, and you are doing the best job that you can and she grabbed some oils, peas and calming and lavender, and she wrapped up my arm and she said, it is okay. And from that moment, I, it's like something snapped in me and I was like, I will never ever hide the fact that I struggle. And through the grace of amazing therapists and awesome family and owning who I am, that I have some really rough days, but it's what catapults me into wanting to continue to do more. When I shared a bit of my story and stepped back from being embarrassed of the fact that sometimes I don't have my shit together, our business started to flourish even more than I ever thought it could be. And the catalyst was me being fearlessly authentic and saying, you know what? Yeah, I've been in this magazine. I've done this. I've done all of that. But I really, really struggle sometimes. It makes me tear up the stories that we get from people. And even when we went and talked about, because people don't like to talk about mental illness. They don't like to talk about depression. They don't like to talk about self-harm, especially. Look at me and gosh, she's America's sweetheart. There's no way that she would sit and get to such a manic place that she would hurt herself. When I was open about that, so many people came forward and they said, I've struggled with this. How do you pull yourself through? I said, I wear a bracelet that says own who you are. And I said, and even in my moment that I am, um, I'm not feeling like I have my stuff together. I look down, I see that bracelet and I'm like, okay, Tamara, own it. Practice gentle kindness towards yourself. Breathe. You've been given this struggle for some reason and use it to make sure that people don't feel alone. Suicide has hit our little tribe of people pretty hard and internationally. And it's another thing that crosses gender lines, socioeconomic status, everything. People who appear to have everything thing going perfect in their lives are there's this dark because they feel so alone they feel like nobody would understand and so we took inspiration from the semicolon project that an artist puts an author puts a semicolon in a place where they could have ended the sentence but they didn't they continued on because your story is not over yet. We decided to make 25 of these necklaces and gift them out. The stories that we got in, we ended up shipping out over 250 necklaces to people who needed the reminder that their story was not over yet. 250 people felt the connection to be able to write in and say, I need this and I need 
that reminder, not just that my story isn't over, but that I'm not alone and that there's other people that are struggling with this because that is the hardest part of anything. And we have stories from women who stage four ovarian cancer given less than a month to live. And that last month is not going to be pretty for her. And she said, I want to go and I want to go now because I know what this next month is going to be like for me. How do I wrap my head around the fact that my story needs to take time and the next month is going to be part of my story and how do I how do I help? How do I inspire? How do I do that? And what a beautiful thing that this woman and I'm such a symbolic person. I'm like here is this beautiful woman, mother, wife. It is the organs within her that make her a divine female that assist in giving life is what's now killing her and the struggle with the mind and the heart and all of that so when people ask like what we do it's so hard to put into words but it's that woman saying I just need this little piece of metal to be able to look at to remind me a talisman it's absolutely incredible it's a blessing and when I a few years ago I had the opportunity to go really big box big chain stores wanted to pick up my lines I think because they saw that people connected with them and I said no I don't want my jewelry out there to people who don't I want to know who's wearing it ah there you go I want to know and even with the stores that we do wholesale to we don't work out of a catalog you don't log on to a site and go and place your order it's we work with grassroots ma and pa stores run by fiercely awesome people who want to give something to their customers to be able to offer something in a price point that the everyday person can buy that has meaning. We have pulled our jewelry from stores that they don't realize that please and thank you are so magic words. Uh, and they're like, okay. why can't we carry your jewelry? Because you don't say thank you. Because you don't say please. And you had a problem and seemed agitated that I had a sick kid at home and I was not going to be able to be available. So, therefore, <laughs> so you get to do that when you're in charge. You can't do that. <laughs> and it is scary as you know what. Okay, so because this person didn't say thank you, I just got rid of $5,000 a month in billing. And what are we going to do? But the amazing thing happens when you do that and you follow your truth something even more mind-blowing happens and and that is where we're at right now we have killer customers we make awesome custom pieces i love the stores that we work with and our retailers it is so strange they'll like take pictures of bumper stickers or <laughs> a specific color and all of this and say tamara can you build us a line based on this bumper sticker heck yes we can Heck yes, that's what we do. You are super stuffy and you need things to be a certain way. Like we're totally not the place for you to work with. But if you have a creative fire and you want to collaborate, whether you're an individual or you're a store, that's what we do. We like to talk and be a part of it all. I don't know. Here's my thoughts in listening to you speak. As a yoga instructor, I spend a lot of time talking about letting go of that which no longer serves 
Because when you do that, when you're honest with yourself about what serves and what doesn't serve and you let go of what doesn't serve, it creates space for the most amazing things to come in. So though you got rid of an account that was maybe a large chunk of cash every month, what you did was you were aligning back to your center, back to your truth, back to what was serving you. And in doing that, it created space for something better and different to come in to fill that void. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I don't think you can ever be fearless. I, I get people who tell me all the time, you're fearless. I'm not fearless, but I have figured out a way to be able to recognize my fear, own it, that was be best. able to fit. Yes. To be able to figure out a way to go around it, over it, through it, find someone to help me, whatever it is so that I don't have to stay in that fearful place. There are times when I get trapped in that fear space. We all do. And I think a part of what has resonated with me and with other people who follow your jewelry line, who purchase from you, who do all of those things is that you are showing that that I'm speaking about social media here, that so many of it is so well curated and beautiful. And you see all the people that are traveling and they wear the right clothes and, you know, everything looks perfect, but that's a snapshot in time. There are yoga people out there who sometimes take 50 plus shots of one pose in order to get it to look the way they want to because they're looking for that perfection. And my thing is these days is perfection doesn't exist. It's not real. And besides that, it's fucking boring. Oh, so, amen, sister. <laughs> so you know what? Let go of that. Embrace the messiness because it's the spaces where things get messy, where things get hard, where things maybe get a little scary. That's where you learn exactly who you are. And that's where you learn to trust your intuition. You trust what's in your deepest heart. And those are the things that you gather those skills, you gather the tools. Sometimes, you know what, all you do is you gut it out to get to the other side. But that's a part of your story. And those stories don't have to define you, but they do create that collective that is a part of your memory. It's a part of the things that you hold dear. It's a part of the things that were maybe painful and hard that really helped you to find a deeper connection with yourself. Mm -hmm. So your jewelry is that touchstone. It's that outward manifestation, that talisman that people can wear to remind themselves of the good, the bad, the things that they love, the journeys that they've made and and the the triumph that they found on the opposite side of whatever Absolutely. whatever that is. Tell me, I know that you guys went to a big show this summer and some obnoxious shithead stole all of your inventory. Yes. We've been really fortunate to be able to attend some pretty spectacular shows. This last year, we're down at Stagecoach, the world's largest country music festival, follows Coachella. The thing with being a small company, and we make every single piece by hand ourselves, nothing is prefabricated. And so for us to go to a venue where we're getting 100,000 people through a day. That's we, a lot of work. Yeah. And we call in the troop. And these troops range in age from nine years old to I think our oldest worker is 87. <laughs> and they get jobs. I mean, everything from 
cutting out price tags and assembling and log sheets and all of these things. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing because, you know, just to watch the community be excited that we were going to be able to go out and represent. I'm married to a police officer and we do so much with the law enforcement community and talk about another group of strong women are my SWAT wife, little girl gang. Can we call it a girl gang? You can call uh, it whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, we call ourselves the Misfit Mafia. I love it. Sprinkling glitter and mayhem. Anyhow, <laughs> um, I am an internal perfectionist. So my, and coming from advertising, you know, I like my tags to be just so. Every Everything, as chaotic as I am, I can notice if something is 132nd of an inch off. And oh, yeah. We go down there, and I was just grateful for all the help that, I did have from everybody listening to my mom and my dad banter back and forth because my dad was in charge of stamping all the price tags and they're all crooked. <laughs> my mom's like, it's not a race, Ron. It's not a race. And I was so, it like, it bothered me. And, but we got down there, had a, uh, the show was going amazing. The people that we were able to connect with, because again, we aren't stuffy we're we'll throw things at people when they walk by it might be glitter or you know we don't we don't know the morning we went in to set up our booth all of our back stock over a thousand pieces of jewelry that we had all oh made by God. hand mm. it was gone and the only thing had, had, the, had the show gone. even started yet yes we had already been two days in to the show so okay. it was the third day i was devastated and i'm crying over and over and over again i just kept saying all of those crooked tags are gone and my dad <laughs> made those and the, the big promoter of the show who's amazing he came over i think he didn't know what to do with me he's like well you know this is a sizable amount of money that was lost i was like but the tags <laughs> my dad did those. Again, sitting and taking a look, I and mean, we were devastated. We're like, well, we have nothing to sell now. And was it just a three-day show, or was it longer than that? Yeah, it was a long weekend. Last day always being our biggest day. Yeah. At that point, I mean, obviously there was the loss from the theft. My sales, like, it was going to be a bust. Like if we could not pull it out. And I looked at Trina and I said, but look at what we do have. And we had our charm bin. Oh, okay. And we put that front and center. And then word just started. People saw me like crying with a mascara down my face and everybody <laughs> else is professional in their boobs. And they're like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fucking pissed. All my shit's gone. And they're like, okay, well, what happened? And so word spread like wildfire. Through I'm sure. The largest country music festival in the entire world. Like huge. You could not even see our booth. People were crowded all around and they, they were 
buying what we had, they were letting us make them pieces. They heard our story. They got online. It was the most surreal experience to watch all of these people that we did not know. They had seen how we were the days leading up that we practiced humility. We just said, we may not have all of these pieces, but we still have what makes us us, which is our story necklaces and the ability to get in there and just make things. So we brought out all of our tools and started making jewelry on site. Went around, we found scraps, we found people came by and we had extra chain here and there and we remade jewelry on site for people. What a takeaway. Somebody got a piece of jewelry that's going to remind them of the story of that weekend for the rest of their lives. And now, I mean, we still probably our largest population of online buyers come from that event. And this is just kind of how I've I've always my philosophy. I could sit and I could just be I could be miserable. I could be pissed. I could be like, fine, I'm closing up shop, we're going home. Or I could sit with all of that uncomfortableness, all of that despair, all of, because our pieces were handmade and they were things that we loved and we had touched. And I, I sat with that and I said, Tamara, you have a captive audience of over 100,000 people. Yes, yes. You just go do you. And you hug people, hug strangers, just laugh and show people that I'm still here. In the face of adversity, you're still kicking ass and taking names. (laughs) Well, and I was really blown away because a lot of the pieces that were taken are local law enforcement retires their spent. I was going to ask you about the spent casing jewelry. So the spent casing jewelry, all the local law enforcement, City of Spokane Police and the Sheriff's Department, they recycle their brass to us. And we then go, we make a whole wide range line of jewelry. We even save all the shavings and we bottle them. And I saw that too. Bullet dust. And it's so sparkly and pretty. With that, when people recycle things to us, it allows us to be able to go donate back to their organizations where their needs. Right. So we do a lot of work with hospice and various officer down memorials and all of that we're able to give because they had given to us. When they realized that the majority of the pieces that were stolen was all of our law enforcement line, the various agencies, law enforcement agencies and Everybody, I mean, they just, they came together for us. And That's um, amazing. we were able to build new connections with different departments to be able to help and give back to their different fundraisers. But even more, it's, it's the wives who have lost their husbands as their husbands have gone to protect strangers, people they don't know. And that will really get me crying, those wives that we, <laughs> that we deal with. But um, talk about some strong women. Well, and that's a, that's a huge sacrifice to make. I don't know that many people really give enough thought to the fact that when those husbands and fathers and sons and daughters and wives 
go out to do their job that you know you're you're basically waiting for them to come back home and there can be times where i'm sure the anxiety over just waiting to see if someone is safe if they make it back home okay that that can that that's a pretty heavy burden to share mm -hmm. Oh, that's it's a tremendously. Big... And I think it, it's one of the things that was a very big catalyst in me working for myself and taking the time to express myself and show my kids that because you don't know when they're going to come home. Well, and you lived that life, correct? I lived I mean, that life. My yeah. husband is a sniper for our local SWAT team, been on the department almost 20 years, worked undercover narcotics, has done the whole big white gamut and proud because he is so strong and he's such an example of what law enforcement should be. But I, I know also because of the type of spiritual person I am, that I'm very much called to be a support to our military families, our police families, all of that, because again, the things that people don't want to talk about. Um, right. those we ask all of those people to do an incredibly hard job to leave their families, to sometimes leave their country, to leave their safety, and to go out and do a job that not everyone can do. And that's a lot to ask for people to do that. And then when they come home, whether it's daily, I used to play, I used to play softball with a bunch of cops and firefighters. We were called the guns and hoses. They're an incredible group of human beings. They do and see things that most people would never be able to look at, let alone tolerate or process through every day and still go out every day to do that job. You think about what happens and how, I don't know if it's the same in law enforcement as it is in military, but they're not necessarily allowed to admit that they have fears or that there's weakness or that they don't feel right or they need support or there's mental issues going on. Because if they say or speak or do about those things, it affects their career. It affects their ability to be able to move up into a higher rank if that's what they are looking to do. And especially in the military, it's, it's about looking weak and you're not allowed to look weak or be weak or do any of that. And I just think it's so criminal that we don't do a better job of taking care of our people who are the first responders, the ones who go to the front lines, the ones who do all of the things where they put their lives on the line every single day, then are not allowed to actually be human, that we expect them to walk around in those Superman suits every single hour of every single day. Well, and I have one of my mental, so my symbol for the mental illness being a smile and a sad face at the same time, because that is something that anybody who has dealt with any level of depression or anxiety, they just know, like, I'm vacillating. Am I happy? Am I sad? I don't know what I am, but I just know that I'm confused and I have some turmoil. And I'm trying to keep it all together. Keep it all together. And we've been able to work with a lot of people dealing with PTSD. And I had understood PTSD coming from 
you know, a big military family. And obviously my, my father was a, um, a fireman for 30 years. So I grew up in a first responder household and then 20 years, you know, being married to a police officer. And I understood it from being an observer on the outside of watching people go and process through these things. I always look at it as, wow, what a blessing I'm able to connect with these people. And I know that God, the universe, the divide, all of the magicalness that's all around us, whatever you want to call it, has big plans. And I just realized, came through probably the most tragic event in my entire life three weeks ago. I was being super mom and, well, kind of halfway, as good as I am super as I can be. Um, at my daughter's soccer game, for some reason, I left a couple minutes early to get back home to my son, but my parents were at the game. So at least if she looked up in the stands, she saw somebody there. I went and drove a different way home because I wanted to see the fall leaves at this beautiful park. And then my life changed as I watched a 15-year-old boy get murdered right in front of me. He was on the sidewalk and I was in my truck and my first response was drove my truck up onto the sidewalk, got out of the car, ran towards, sounds so crazy now, you know, you run toward the gunfire. But I saw this young kid go down and I just, I didn't know what to do other than to be a mom. And his young friend was holding him and I said, where was he shot? And poor young kid was shot in the neck. We started to administer CPR and the compressions weren't working and Steve's going to have to breathe for him. And so I went down and I started breathing for him and we got him to come back and he ended up not making it, but I was able to pray for him and hold him and tell him not to be afraid. And I held it together pretty good for a couple days and then my heart just bled for his mom. And I reached out to her and I told her that I was her son's last breath. Her and I, our lives had run parallel for many, many years on opposite sides of the law. My husband had been there when her husband died with law enforcement. My husband actually was on the team that caught the shooter. He had no idea that I was there with the boy as he was capturing the shooter. Wow. Um, but she was, was his mom. Was this gang violence? There, it was actually over a marijuana pipe. Oh, Christ. And it was sad and senseless. So I reached out to this mom and I showed up at her house. My husband had said, you should not tell them that you're a law enforcement family. And I... You went with your heart. I went with my heart and I held her. And I told her that her son did not die by himself and that he was not scared and that I wiped his tears and I held him and recited Psalm 23 as that's what I had said to my grandfather as he was passing. And I told her how our lives over the last five years had been running parallel and that my husband was there to get the man that killed her son. And did that bring her some measure of peace? Do you oh think? Oh my gosh. It was, it was the most heartbreakingly beautiful thing just to sit and deal with and witness that level of grief and then to step away and realize that I now was dealing with my own PTSD yeah. of watching him. How old is your son? My son is 13 my daughter's 16 and I went 
I didn't sleep for about a week and I could, couldn't stop tasting him because I had had his blood and fluids yeah. in my mouth. And I sat there and was like, why? Why was that me? I should not have been there. I don't drive down that road. I, I was there. And it got me thinking about all of the people I've dealt with with PTSD and not understanding how their brains had gone and taken after seeing a traumatic event like that, how trauma, how trauma works in our brains. And I was like, okay, now you more understand that sector of the mentally ill and what kind of words and what, how to bring, help bring peace to that. But even more so, and it brings into our new line of jewelry that we just released with the rutilated quartz which is also known as the breath of angels. Mm. It's a beautiful quartz being such a healing stone and yes. clearing of bad energies. But the rutilated quartz has fine gold fibers woven into it. It's stunning. I sat down in the middle of one night and I just designed a whole line out of my private collection of stones because this line is going to fund our newest adventure called the rogue tumbleweed. And it is basically the only way to help the kids in our communities, kids that are thrown into all of this stuff is through strong moms and they need heroes. Kids need real heroes. Yes, they do. So I'm so excited to put that line, make it available up through our online store. It's going to allow us to bring more women in to create, to commune, to meditate, to learn about oils, to learn about all of these things, because in the midst of me going through my shit, not having control over my mind after what I had witnessed, I had my own babies to take care of, my own business yeah. to run, all of these things. Trauma affects everybody in every different walk of life. And once again, that you're not alone. I now have been able to connect with some tremendous advocacy groups and different speakers that talk on trauma and want to have pieces to remind that we can grow resilience in ourselves and in our children. And that is my mission now with our pieces is resilience like you are strong yeah. and people say Tamara are you like a counselor or are you a jewelry maker and I'm kind of a both oh, I'm just kind of a both I want there to be meaning in every piece that I make and I want people to know when they see the rutilated quartz line that it was born from me trying to save this young boy's life and I couldn't do it. But what I can do is inspire women to be their best selves and to be reminded that they're not alone, to be able to look at their wrist and say, you know what, you got this, that maybe some other little baby isn't going to die on the street. And you honor that, that young boy with everything that you've done. And this jewelry line is just an outward expression of everything that you felt in your heart, the good, the bad, the hard stuff, the lessons learned, that this is a way to honor him going forward. And to at the same time to be able to help others. So I think that that's incredible, Tamara. I mean, just to be able to 
you know, one, it allows you to create, but two, it was, it was a process for you to be able to heal at the same time Absolutely. and, and to be able to come to some sort of grip with what transpired and to be able to turn it from something horrible and awful and traumatic to a way to be able not only heal yourself, but to be able to reach out to others and to be able to help other people that may be going through similar trauma or just, you know, trauma as whatever the aspect is that they have trauma in their lives for them to be able to realize there are ways to be able to create resiliency. There are ways to be able to hold on to that, that it's okay to ask for help, that it's okay that there are people out there that will hear you and see you and, and create space for you. And that's, that's really big. That's bigger than a corporation. That's bigger than a politician. That I think is so much what the world needs right now is creating space for each other and holding that sacred space for people to meet there and find connection and community and not to compete and not to feel that they have to be perfect or everything has to be okay, that there are going to be days when you're going to wake up and go, you know what? I can't even get on clean clothes today. I need to just live with where I'm at right now. And that's okay too. And I think that slides over when you live. There's a gentleman, um, a local man named Kent Hoffman. He is an amazing understander of the brain and does some great TED Talks. And one of his that has stuck with me so deeply is on infinite worth and that there is not one life that is more important than another. And people in, I mean, it doesn't matter if you are homeless and living in the alley behind my shop or if you are, you know, running a Fortune 500 company, we all struggle with the same things. We all need to be reminded of the same things that we have infinite worth and that as Brene Brown says, that we don't just want to fit in, we want to belong. Like, we just want to belong to mankind, humankind. I mean, we're beings. And we, we are we are tribal people. We are not meant to be alone. We are meant to be a part of the tribe. And if you think of the chakras in the body and the root chakra is about being rooted and grounded, it's about who is my tribe? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? What's my worth? What's my value? What's my story? All of that. And it's in the hips and pelvis. And in my yoga classes, I talk about the hips and pelvis being the junk drawer of the body. It's where we stuff all of the shit that we don't want to have to deal with. The things about money, about relationships, about where do I belong, sex, my job, my value, all of that gets stuffed down in there. And then we sit in couches and car seats and chairs and sit for too long and lock it all up. And then that gets it all trapped in there. And it's about being able to open that space and allow all of that to come out, to move out, and to realize that you're not the only person. Those are basic human needs mm -hmm. to belong. Where's my place? What's my, who are my people? Where am I seen? Do I have value? I mean, every single human being in this world has value. And, and I think- story matters. And you're Correct. Your story matters and every story deserves to be told. Every single story. And I have always been this person that has, 
I've always, and some people might think I'm nosy, but I'm curious about where you came from, how you ended up where you are, what's the stuff that you found along the way, what was the good stuff, what's the bad stuff, because all of that is what makes up this vessel that you walk around in every day that allows you to live from a heart space. And if you aren't allowed to tell your story, it doesn't give you the space to be able to be a part of that tribe. It's the most basic need that there is. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think the moment that I put up my Prada handbag, kicked off my Jimmy shoes and my custom made suits and all of that, and embraced a life of true Tamara, which is cut off sweatpants and bandanas <laughs> and telling people, hey, you know what? No, I haven't showered for three days, but, and maybe I've only shaved one of my legs in the past month. <laughs> I can't that again is, you know, that's, that's- Shaving your legs is not, is not why you're valuable. Or your armpits, for that matter. Okay, yeah, because I'm just I'm going for the just doing one side a month. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, but I think that all in all, I am just so honored that you'd want to even hear a piece and a part of what makes me me and my company and the I think the greatest. I have ideas and I have an ability to connect with people, but it's the people that choose to work alongside me, Anne and Trina. You are the company you keep, and that's what I tell my children all of the time, that I I and we don't need to be the absolute best at everything, but we need no. to know how to bring out the best in people. I was driving when I opened this company. I did not want it to be like any other place. We, our sign on the outside says open when we feel like it. And <laughs> sometimes, and we have issues, like it's like 10 ish to four ish. But you know what? If one of our kids is sick or we need to run to a ball game or any of that, like that's life. And one day, Anne even called in cranky. She said, I can't come to work today. I'm just really cranky. And I was like, you know what? I get that. Like, I so totally get that. So, yeah, lay in your bed, watch Murder, She Wrote, and snuggle with your dog. Like, that's what you need to do. And I think if, um, well, I know that, I know that Outlaw, I'm just a very tiny, tiny piece of this company. and the lifestyle brand that we're creating it's all so much more it's the people who have blindly ordered from me where i just say pay me this much and you're gonna get a random surprise in the mail and i, I love that was my favorite jewelry. that's my favorite piece of jewelry i, <laughs> I love that nobody is just gonna be giving you money for you to like make something that's in your head and i'm like well maybe they will well, and see, you know, I've been making jewelry for over 30 years. I a lot of, I don't always sell a lot of it. In the past I've sold more of it than I do right now, but for me a lot of it is when I make it to give as gifts, it's a reflection of who I see the person that I'm giving it to. And so though there have been times where it's like I could probably ramp up and do more with it, I've hesitated because 
I don't want it to turn into this mass produced. Every piece I make is one of a kind, even though it may have some of the same components or whatever, each piece is handmade and each piece comes from my heart. So for me to think about having to go into a mass production mode makes me just go, am I going to lose the heart behind what it is that I'm doing? So when I found you on Instagram and saw what you were doing, I was like, this woman is speaking my language. Oh, that's so funny. So I, I am so, I was so incredibly excited when you said, yes, I'm honored to have you here because what I'm trying to create is all about leaving space open for women to step forward and share their stories. And can I have the restroom really quick? I'm about to pee my pants. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry that you were sitting there for so long having to go to the bathroom and (laughs) so about a 10 pound baby and you have to go and three seconds later you're like, okay, like I really have to go or I'm I should have just worn depends. What is it about that? Trampolines. My son just said that at the trampoline place to somebody, oh my mom can't jump on the trampoline because she'll be your pants. And Thanks, honey. Yeah, it's because of you, child. <laughs> well, so I have a couple more questions to ask you, and then I'll let you go, because I could sit here and talk to you all day, but we I know we both have things to do. Here's a question. What keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night is I, probably my biggest struggle is in believing in my self-worth that I can do this. It's, it's that dark little voice that creeps in and says, you are in over your head this you know the imposter syndrome i it's my total achilles heel um and it's something that i work on all of the time and i think my biggest fear for failing like if if this was all one day to just fail is i know i have so many more messages to put out i know i have so many more people to connect I love that I have a place where even if customers don't come in and buy anything, they'll just just to want to be near us and around our energy and all of that. I there's value in that. And so I guess my mind, what keeps me up at night is trying to make sure that I am doing everything to my best ability to keep employing my employees to be able to allow my passion to be my vocation and to keep being able to put my art and craziness into the world. Well, I I think you should just trust in yourself because you're doing pretty damn fine right now. (laughs) Yeah, I um. And I know that's easier said than done. I mean, I, I go through that often with what I'm trying to do as well and how easy it is to say, well, so-and-so does this, or maybe I'm not doing the right thing, or maybe this isn't. Honestly, have really just been trying to spend more time trusting my intuition and trusting what's in my heart. And you seem to do a pretty good job of that. So you well, should. And I think that I often remind myself of when I stepped out of my truth and you know try to be a super serious businesswoman that holds value in the month-end reports and all of that that's not me and i'm like an accountant's nightmare i'm sure (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> or stuff like that, because I was like, well, I hugged probably 38 people this month. People just shake their heads. They're like, Cameron. They're, they're, <laughs> you can't, you, you can't put a monetary vol- value on that. What that does is that is creating connection and create creating connection is what I firmly believe is what helps us move further and further into doing our heart work. That's, that's just my take on it. I agree. I have one more question for you. All right. What do you feel is your most relatable quality? I think that my most relatable quality, are you supposed to restate the question for that? Is you, not you, how you, do it you can do whatever you, you want. you can do whatever you want (laughs) Um, there is there's just a whole lot to my personality just so many different facets and so on but I believe that my most relatable quality would be that I'm unapologetically myself there you go I I am working every single day to be comfortable with imperfection that, yeah, I might have crazy stretch marks and like to wear sweats so that I can pull them up really high, or I am scared about the same things that other people are afraid about. And I think when you're unapologetically yourself and you get to the place that you can share those not so pretty things. People aren't intimidated by you. Most people in any of the fashion industry or, you know, anything in, I don't know, that deals in the world that I deal in, it's a very unapproachable crowd. Like the whole boutique scene and the this and that and everybody's so, oh, you know, it's, we never wanted to come across as snooty or better than, or I, we're it's, that, it's, it's that whole elitist mentality. Oh, I think that, absolutely. and yeah. you know, it is, it's so funny because I've been blessed with some amazing life experiences. And I, when I'm in the middle of a project, let's say I've been welding or something at t- tie my hair back so it doesn't catch on fire and I'm covered my hands are black and I'll, you know, walk into a store and of course the security's following me around like I'm <laughs> it just it makes me so happy because I've I've walked through the Louvre in Paris. I've sat at the Grand Plots in Brussels, Belgium and sifted through centuries old lace. All of those things they've made me who I am to appreciate being a maker. So it, it just, it cracks me up because yeah, um, I usually look like I've crawled out of a garbage can. Um, <laughs> and then when people are like, oh, well, I remember I had an article written about me and where women create business by Joe Packham, amazing publisher. When we were featured in that magazine, it's one part that I talked about in there is that my grandmother, I remember her holding my hands and she looked at them and she said, those are working hands. 
And I always thought that I had to have this perfect manicure and everything to for for whose purpose when this woman, this 94 year old beautiful woman who has lived through the depression, lived through the wars, all of that would look at me and say, those are working hands and you need to be so proud of those hands, Tamara. So I guess that's that is my also my hope is where we as women, where we as a society find value. Is it in all of these extras or is it in the working hands? Is it in the honest, pure heart? And again, just being unapologetically yourself and delightfully chaotic. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that you qualify it that way or that you describe it that way. My focus group that I have in my Facebook that I created of 70 plus women is called Unapologetically You. And it is about being yourself. It is about your stories. It is about living your life and not apologizing to yourself or to anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the part that makes you so open to connection to other people. It's the part that you get to a certain age and you realize that time is short and that you really, it's all about feeling good. It's about feeling good with the people that are in your life. It's about feeling good with the decisions that you're making. It's about feeling good with where you're living, all of those things. And when you line up with all of that, it's what attracts those other people that are seeking those same things. And I think that truly being unapologetically yourself is the only way to bring people that are thinking the same things that you are into your sort of orbit. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there is such great value in that, in just being unapologetically yourself. I want to thank you so much for your time today. This has been an incredible conversation. I knew it was going to be. And I just, again, I'm so honored that you joined me and shared your story today and that you made time for this because I think that it's incredibly important for other people to hear your story. Well, I look forward to working with you more and you ever have a real random topic you want to talk about, I'm your girl. All right. All right. Well, (laughs) we'll get back together and we'll do this again. Thanks again, Tamara. I so appreciate you. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You too, dear. Bye. Bye.